Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Want your most burning finance and investing questions answered? Here's a podcast you should be listening to, courtesy of ACAST Recommends. Are you ready for some personality in your personal finances? Hi, I'm Janice Torres Rodriguez, Latina money expert and host of the award-winning podcast, Yo Quiero Dinero. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're not talking about avocado toast and lattes on this show. We've got real, relatable personal finance knowledge that makes you feel seen, heard, and finally understood. Consider me your super cool, slightly risque, but always honest financial fairy godmother. Together, we'll tackle dinero in a fresh new way so you can finally become poderosa with your dinero. Check out our weekly podcast episodes at YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Hey, it's Ryan from The Prolific Creator, where we talk about life and art and see what sticks. Well, hello, my friends. Today, we have another fantastic, can I use the word fantastic, episode with Matt Spielman. And Matt Spielman has written a book called Inflection Points, How to Work and Live with Purpose. And I love Matt and my new friendship with Matt and our conversation. We had a great time talking about the work he does in coaching, uh, helping us understand how we're wired, helping us understand where we can thrive And he does some really interesting work with clients, Uh, some of his big clients like Alex Rodriguez, a former professional baseball player and other high level executives and other creative people and all kinds of people, but to really help us understand that life and work and mental health and physical health and soul and spirit, all those things go together. That we can't talk about creation, we can't talk about writing, we can't talk about entrepreneurship or building businesses or whatever we're into without addressing the whole person. And Matt and his work, that's exactly what he does. And he's written a great book to kind of help us understand who we are and how we can do better in life and work. And so I'm really happy to share this episode with you. And uh, Matt also graciously gave us some free resources, which I'll put in the show notes where you can find some um, templates and some workbooks and some reflection things that you can, can put in your own life. And Matt has been very gracious and just trying to get his message out and trying to help a lot of people. So I really hope you enjoy this message, message conversation. Another thing, uh, maybe you heard at the top of the show, depending on uh, when you're listening to this, is we have a new little deal going on, the Prolific Creator Plus. Um, if you want to get on our subscription plan, I think it's three bucks or five bucks, depending on which plan you choose. You can get an ad-free experience and you can also get some other freebies, some extra 
bonus content that isn't shared with the public. And so just a way to support the show, a way to um, keep our ads down, a, a way to get um, our work out in the world, but but in a very simple way. Some of you have asked you know, how to support the show, and it's a great way to do that. So check out, check out the Prolific Creator Plus. It'll be in the show notes as well. And uh, hopefully that serves you well. Well, hey, I hope you're doing well. I know we're coming down, depending on when you listen to this, kind of end of summer, getting into some new rhythms. Some of us are going back to school. Families are going back to school, kind of going back to work, just moving away from summer, moving away from vacations. And, and what a great time. I think this time, fall time, winter time, springtime is, is a great time to consider how do we create more? How do we create more and consume less? How do we make that thing write that book, get that paint on canvas, put that film together, start that nonprofit, start that business. I I think it's a great time to consider that as we kind of get into some more normal uh, rhythms. And so I'm looking forward to sharing this conversation with Matt Spielman. Hopefully it'll encourage you and inspire you. Without further ado, here's my chat with Matt. Well, welcome everyone to the Prolific Creator. I am so thankful today to have Matt Spielman on the show. And uh, Matt has written a book, Inflection Points, How to Work and Live with Purpose. And we're going to explore his new book, explore his life, his work, and how he even got to the point of writing this book. And so Matt, I'm so thankful to have you on the show today. Why don't you say hello? And I do have a question is when you're not you know, working with clients, helping them identify their fit, coaching folks, uh, what do you do for fun with your family and friends? Oh, man. So first, Ryan, it's great to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, Well, we are active. We like to get out. We like to hike. Uh, We have a house on a lake about 50 miles north of where we live here. And uh, we're just outside New York City. And it's Candlewood Lake. And we do boating and kayaking and water skiing and jet skiing, a lot of things. So we're, we're very active. And personally, for me, uh, fitness is it has to be part of the day. It's just just sort of part of. It's kind of like air. It's kind of like eating. Um, so I'm personally very active. Wonderful. So I could be mistaken, but you have a baseball background, if I'm not mistaken. At some point, uh, maybe on a pretty high level, is that kind of where kind of fitness and sports and activity? Yeah. Came from? Yeah. So it was the, the fitness really started as very much of a goal orientation of getting ready for whether it's to make a team or spring training or something very similar to preparing for the baseball season. So yeah, I, for much of my, I sort of view myself, uh, especially as I was growing up as a baseball player and that today feels a little bit of a a lifetime ago, but I did uh, play it in high school along with football and basketball. And then I was recruited to play baseball um, at the, the next level of division one baseball. I ultimately played four years at Columbia university and had an unbelievable set of experiences. And I would say I, I learned more from, you know, my time on the ball field during those 18 to 22, that sort of time period in my life than in almost every other sort of facet. And it was more about failure and actually bouncing back from the failures that I had on the baseball field. Yeah, I think that's so true. The my, a lot of my kids are in sports and just the things they learn from, you know, sports, from failure, from falling down, from losing, from, <laughs> I don't think they realize that right now, the things they're going to learn down the road um, as I played some high school sports and things. And um, sure. yeah, they're, they're gifts to us. Um, it's funny how we learn from failure. Uh, yeah. Well, Matt, so this is interesting because uh, I, I know a lot of your work and the book you've written uh, revolves around coaching, uh, career coaching, business coaching, exec- executive coaching. Uh, and I, I find it interesting just we we talk to, work with, have a community of a lot of creators and entrepreneurs and writers and artists. and uh, But it's interesting how physicality and fitness uh, and mind and uh heart, all those things go together. That's not a separate thing. Um, and just as you've been kind of working with, with clients, I mean, have you found that to be true is just the, it's not just how do I get that job or how do I find my fit, but it's kind of this holistic, you know, who am I and my body, my soul, my, my life, my priorities, is that all, uh, kind of fit into what you're, it sounds like you've kind of learned that along the way. Tell us a little bit about that. A hundred percent, uh, Ryan, the, it is all interconnected. And in fact, one of the things that we do when we sit down and work with our partners, and it's it's discussed in the book, and 
what I'm about to describe is also anybody can download it for free. They don't even have to buy the book, but it's something called the purpose puzzle. So for your audience, just picture a three by three jigsaw puzzle that happens to be a square. So it's about and it's nine pieces. And on those pieces, there are, these are different facets or pieces of your life that contribute to how you're feeling on a day-to-day basis. And to your point, Ryan, career is one of them. Some of the others are health, finances, your physical environment, a life partner, or significant other, spirituality, family, community, career, uh, career and you know finances as well. So it's intentionally interconnected because you know how we're feeling in one of those facets or pieces will likely impact how we're feeling across kind of the other areas of our life, sort of our portfolio of activity and how we're feeling on a day-to-day basis. So one of the first things we do is take inventory of where we are right now, recognizing that we are holistic individuals. We can't just compartmentalize and robots do a really good job of that and computers do a really good job of that. But that's, that, those aren't the people that, that those aren't the entities and the things that we're interacting with on a day-to-day basis. Oh, I think that's so so key because I think sometimes we think we can you know lead a company or lead a family or you know lead people and, and not have you know our finances in order or health or think that those things are separate things and yet ultimately what happens is we end up crashing or we end up falling on our faces because we think we can kind of separate those things and yet they all kind of work together. Yeah, or or, or giving short shrift to something else because you're you're dealing with or not facing or sharing with others something else that, that, that you're feeling or experiencing elsewhere. Hmm. That's good. That's good. So let's, uh, let's throw it in reverse just a little bit, because uh, I know there's, you were telling me offline um, just as we've talked before about kind of the origins of this book and, and it's come through some of your story, some of your failures, as you mentioned, some of your experiences. So w- where did the kind of seed of the idea begin for kind of the book, but even before that, like your, the work you're doing, cause really the book is just a manifestation of kind of the work you're doing and putting it in written form. So people can, can kind of engage your, your resources, but um, yeah, tell us a little bit about kind of how did you get here? Yeah. So the, the, the book is, a manifestation of the work that I've been doing. And just Ryan yesterday, August 10th, um, 2022 marks six years from my first session that I had as a coach in August 10th of 2016. And since that time, it's been over a little over 3000 sort of sessions. And yeah, it was, it's been a, the book contains a collection of that, which I've learned that, which I've seen some of the common questions, the approaches, practices, tools that people have used and outcomes that they've had. Uh, but yes, I did not start here. I was an executive and I transitioned to an, an executive career coach. And I, along the way, I, be, I I was always asking the questions of, you know, what, what what is the thing or things that I can do where are most reflective of, of who I am, strengths that I may have, and what what is the best environment for in which i can thrive and i wasn't always there but the the more senior i got in my in, in my profession where for me i started to be a general manager and started to manage people and i found that growing developing people giving them an opportunity to experience something new to have a an uncomfortable experience where they might Instead of me going to see the CEO, I would give them an opportunity to CEO to see the CEO. I was really drawn to kind of the direct impact on the other person, less so from a marketing perspective or a sale, selling a product or service perspective, even though, you know, on paper, we were hitting our numbers and I was a chief marketing officer. I was a chief revenue officer. I had very senior level positions, but I kept on asking the questions of, huh, I, I don't think I'm kind of there yet and doing the thing or things that are most reflective of who I am. And it wasn't until the work that I started to do with my coach in 2010. So going back 12 years and I continue to partner with and work with Peter Hazelrig to this day, my coach, that he gave me and he said it was so simple what he said to me, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. And he said, man, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it, which to me gave me the liberty um, and the permission really to pursue and ask some other questions. Well, if not this, then what? And that started a couple of year journey towards 
huh, I kind of want to do what the impact that you've had on me and the other people I've spoken to that you interact with. That's kind of the impact that I want to have. I want to do it in a different way than you. Um, so that became the, the, the journey from there, which is how can I start my own practice in a way that uh, mirrors the impact that Peter had on me, but more tailored to my approach, my experience, my schooling, all that. It sounds like a kind of a, it's almost like a meta story because you're, you're writing about what you've kind of experienced and sharing kind of the, the work that you found yourself in because of your own frustrations, your own kind of, yeah. I, I know I'm good at this, but I'm just not sure if this is where I need to be long-term or maybe well, there's some other area I need to be or, and, and yeah. I think a lot of people face that. I, I think that's right. And from what I hear, not only in my work and interacting with thousands of people, but now the book is out there and I'm hearing from all, all kinds of people People have a, a gnawing feeling that what they're doing is they could maybe tweak something, change something. Maybe, you know, if it's a small change, maybe it needs to be a wholesale change. Um, often it's not a wholesale change, actually, which is which is the, the, the good news. But for me, every day that I was walking to work, as much as I enjoyed the people there, and I really like the company a lot, um, I felt like I should have been walking to another building or doing something else. And that wasn't a great feeling. And I wanted to do something about it. And people are talking a lot about the great resignation today. I actually think the great resignation started well before the pandemic. And the statistics are about employee engagement, where it might say that 31% of the people are engaged in their work. The great resignation to me is that people are resigned to accept that. And that's sad to me. And that was the primary driver of why I wrote the book, because it doesn't have to be that way. Well, I think you're right. I think, you know, through the pandemic, it just reveals what's already there. I think that's a lot of, you know, whether it's political, whether it's the great resignation, whether it's what people think about, you name your topic, it was already there. It just certain things kind of exasperate it. And sometimes we're in these, you know, pressure situations and it just comes out to really who we are, who we already are or what we already think. And, and I think we, we kind of freak out over like, I can't believe this. And it's, um, but no, I think that's really um, interesting because I think a lot of your story is very common to the people that listen to the show and people I've worked with as well that are, you know, they're trying to write a book. They're trying to figure out where they fit or what they're doing. And a lot of what they're doing, they're good at it. They're successful. They're having a good time, but they just feel this kind of, I, I think you use the word ache or just this kind of unsettling of, I, yeah. but I think there's something else and I'm not sure what that is. So, so tell me when a client comes to you, I'd love to hear some just like anecdotal, you know, real stories of what's like a common challenge, a common kind of frustration when somebody comes to you and they're just maybe like yourself, hey, I'm working this job. Uh, I have this family, everything seems on paper. Great, but I'm just not sure this is what I'm supposed to be doing long-term or I'm just feeling something, something else in me. Um, what's kind of the, the common uh, challenge or question or um, yeah. frustration that people have? So I mean, there are several, but the, the, there's an initial block, a blockage and sort of barrier that seems to come up which is people create, you know, they almost like um, lock themselves up a, a little bit and say, well, you know, I have to pay the mortgage, there's private school, and I can't really make a change. And I think that's a lot of, it, it comes from a lot of different places. Um, there's unknown, there's fear, um, and there's also the, real, the reality of that too. But it's also this belief that it has to be binary, right? Either I'm going to stick the way it is now, or I have to leave and start, you know, from a wholesale fashion. And that's, as I mentioned just before, but that's often not the case. Sometimes smart tweaks and insertions, changes can actually make a, a really big difference. And sometimes our work is really just reimagining the day and, and the week and tapping into some of the things that they're really interested in. We do an exercise called sources and drains of energy. And, and it's also a form and a tool that somebody could download. Uh, for free. And over the course of a week or two, usually we want to get a good number of data points. You know, what are the things that people are doing in specific tasks where that generates energy or it takes energy away? So imagine a, a piece of paper with a T, you know, sources, drains, and the exercise is to hopefully be as specific as possible 
And then at the end of, of the two weeks, we sort of see the things that really gave us energy, um, the tasks that we were doing, the types of people that we were around, the environments that, that we were in, and then the opposite, sort of the, the drains of energy. And there's usually enough data where we can also begin to then bucket and put them in themes. And the, the question then moves to, okay, so if these are some of the things that, that pick you up, that energize you, that excite you, that lead to more engagement, how can we work more of those in to your day to day? What and oftentimes, you know, we'll also do something. This is something really good for the audience. It's an assessment, a free assessment that people can do, um, called Via Values and Actions. And the URL is viacharacter.org. And what it does is, you answer a bunch of questions, and it ranks your these character traits from one to twenty-four. And the top five are called your signature strengths. And the science behind this, it was developed by Dr. Martin Seligman and team out of the University of Pennsylvania from the field of positive psychology. So in the under the umbrella of flourishing, the science is that the more you use these five signature strengths, the more fulfilled, happy, energized you'll be and likely the better job that you'll do. So these are like kindness and love of learning and curiosity and leadership so we would identify what those top five are, and we try to incorporate those into your day-to-day, again, to kind of ignite you. So, for example, one of mine is love of learning. And I, if I'm not taking a course at any given time and sort of like meeting with a professor or reading a book, that like, that's like a blah experience for me, you know, if I'm not doing that. So I seek opportunities to kind of keep kind of advancing and because I'm just uh, love of learning combined with curiosity it is in the top five. So it's very specific to who the individual is, but we do use you, uh, which through the sources and drains exercise, as well as we tap into more of your strengths and how you're constituted, again, through your eyes of what you can do to generate more energy and excitement and enjoyment in, in your day. And oftentimes, Ryan, it's not a wholesale change that needs to take place. There are times when, yes, leaving the company and start, you know, going to a new job for sure. Uh, but it's not as often as people think. That's good to hear. Cause I think, uh, especially in like writing world, publishing world, it's like, I'm either a full-time author or I'm not, you know, there's no in between. I like you yeah. said, you know, th- there's something about and not just, or, you know, it's always this binary thing. It's like, you can add in things as opposed to just, I have to <laughs> leap and leave my job, leave my, you know, income and just go all in. And, and sometimes that, that is required, of course, as you said, uh, yeah. Now, would you say, uh, it seems like there's a, and I don't know if it begins in school. I don't know where it, uh, maybe it's in university. Uh, I found this to be true. Uh, and one of the great books that helped me along the way was strength finders. Um, but the yeah. idea, the idea that, um, we spend so much time trying to bring up our weaknesses, trying to bring yeah. up the things that we're terrible at to kind of create this kind of, well, we got to be balanced, you know, leaders and we got to, you know, w- which there's a place for that. But the reality is we don't spend enough time on the things we're actually good at and, and yeah. kind of work on the strengths and work on the, you know, and so people are miserable because they're trying to bring these things up that'll probably never come up. You know, they may come to sea level, but, but the reality is you have these A's and B areas of your life that you're just really not tapping into. And that's probably why you're miserable a lot of times. A hundred percent. And our approach is a strength-based coaching approach uh, where we, we do exactly what, what you're describing. And it's, it's, you know, there is a, a real reason why that's the case. The, 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 the connections in your brain around areas where you're, sh- where you have a propensity or a preference to do something are stronger. And also the rate of improvement happens faster than if we spend a whole bunch of time on areas that we don't have as much energy around, or maybe even talent for, uh, we should be aware of them by the way. So definitely be aware of them, but the time should be spent on how do we plus up that which we may have sort of a little bit more of a natural instinct for preference for, uh, and even ability to do and uh, talent for. Yeah. And I think in like, you know, business world or any organization you're working and leading, you know, it's when you're aware of those weaknesses, you actually can delegate a lot of those things and say, Hey, you know, I'm just not, this is not my wheelhouse. And, and, but there's people that are great at it. There are people that thrive. I was just talking with a friend the other day and it's like, it amazed, you know, this organizational leader who just loves spreadsheets, loves, you know, getting tasks done, but I'm just not that way. But 
you let them run with it and they go crazy. And you're just like, how do you do this all day? I hate this stuff. And yet, right. you know, just finding your fit is such a gift to the, the person. I, I love this. And well, I, um, I think it's recognizing that we're all, all that we're all different. Right. And just, just a, there, there's a, a legendary football coach. His name was Tom Landry in the late seventies for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he, instead of showing film during the, the Sunday to Sunday. So during the week, instead of showing the mistakes that you may have made, he would have his folks put together a highlight reel of the things that you did in the previous game. And then the questions were much more around, um, huh? So you got off the line quickly and you caught that touchdown pass. What went into that? You know, what, what did you do to prepare for that? How, what can you do to sort of make that happen again? And so a couple of things happened, sort of plates that individual strengths, but also that person was wide open. The player was wide open and didn't feel like he was being attacked there's not really much growth and maturation and development that happens when somebody goes into the fight or flight mechanism and sort of closes down. So that is absolutely an approach uh, that we take. And that's taken from uh, one of my mentors whom I haven't met, but I'd love to meet him one day. His name is Marcus Buckingham. And the article that I'm referencing was about a year and a half ago in Harvard Business Review, which he said entitled Why Feedback Fails. And that that's you know exactly why, because people tend to focus on and organizations tend to focus on areas of development and their weaknesses when in fact it should be the opposite. We should be aware of them, but it, the time should be spent on the strengths. Yeah, Marcus Buckingham is exactly the person I <laughs> found found his work, and it was like, oh, this is this is eye open. I wish I had this when I was you know in college. <laughs> but um, so uh, so inflection points: how to work and live with purpose is your book, and yeah. in this book you talk a lot about uh you have a, a little uh tool called gps uh the yeah. game plan uh system i believe and yes. uh and what i hear just as you talk is and it sounds like there's a lot of threads that are very common but you're you're definitely talking about a deeper reality uh getting at soul getting at personality getting at character traits getting at psychology uh we, we talked a little bit offline is that you're, you're with this book and with your work, you're trying to get to kind of another level of, you want people to thrive and be happy. And, and it's not just finding a good job, but there's no. this whole piece to it. So I want to just kind of pick your brain a little bit on the kind of GPS system and some of the, some of the kind of practicalities of the book is, yeah. What do you, tr- what's kind of the, the long-term kind of outcome and how do you kind of help people go from a to to B to C um, with some of the work you're doing. Yeah. And the really important thing is that it's, it's, there's internal reflection that come, that comes from within. And these aren't necessarily the should of, Hey Ryan, you know what? Um, I, I think you should do this. I think you should pursue this. I think you may want to consider a marathon that you may want to run. Oh, I had a terrific experience in New York. I think you want to do the same thing. No, this whole book and, and my overall approach and coaching in general is very you focused. So, you know, what is it? So the whole GPS system, game plan system and the the gps that double entendre is intentional because it provides direction for your life and the in the 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 plugging in the coordinates where you want to go what makes it a system is we start off by gathering information and we spoke a little bit earlier about the purpose puzzle we spoke a little bit earlier about the sources and drains of energy there are the via assessment um values and actions so the strengths uh we, we rank your strengths from one to f- one to 24. There's also a personality profile and other assessments that we administer. In some instances, we do a, a performance evaluation, kind of like a 360 degree review. We talk to key stakeholders in your life. So we gather information, kind of do like almost like a diagnostic process, but it's of you and about you. That then is funneled into the epicenter of the process of the game plan system called the game plan. So for the audience who might be listening, think of a single page. We actually, we laminate the document um, and it houses four meaningful and consequential goals for you that came from you through the work that, that we've done together. And you could do it by yourself as well. And what you know about your, yourself. And it houses the, what is the goal? Why that's important to you, the consequence of the goal action items that work in service of bringing about the goal. Of course, the goal is time horizon. So by when, 
we also tap into the power of visualization. So what does the goal look like to you, either working on it and towards it or having completed it? And it's all driven from you. Athletes have been tapping into the power of visualization for decades. Why not all of us? Um, and then we have a, a headline or a hashtag for the goal. And think there are four of those on the document and it, it is laminated. And I encourage people to share it with key stakeholders in the life, whether it's colleagues at work, wife, spouse, uh, this wife, significant other, children. And that represents the coordinates that you're plugging into your GPS. And Ryan, you know what happens when you get out and you start a, a meaningful journey or potentially a long journey. There's going to be traffic. There are going to be some accidents, God forbid. There's going to be things that get in the way. And what does the GPS do? It routes us around all of that in the most efficient way possible with us keeping our eye on the prize or prizes if there are four, four of these goals. Typically, uh, clients create one to two, sometimes three of these a year. And we're also at the same time talking about a larger, these goals might be working in terms of a larger sort of mission oriented. Um, for example, I, I create a couple of these a year. I just refreshed mine a couple of days ago, actually for the balance of this year. And it's all working in service of this mission that I have, which is to ignite careers and energize lives and trigger whatever version of the fist pump is in you. So my goals should work in service of that, even though they're more micro focused. They could be six months, a year, two year, three year, five year goals, but that's going to be a mission that drives me for the rest of my life. So here, I hear you saying two things that are really, I think you kind of nailed it is like context. I hear that, that word in a different, maybe I'm using it a little different way, but context of who are you? How are you wired? What's going on in your life? Uh, without that context, you can't just tell someone, Hey, you just need to do this. You know, you just need to go over here. And, but simultaneously, right. it sounds like you're a good coach because a good coach doesn't just tell you what to do. It actually brings you into the process. Um, and that's what, you know, as I've kind of looked at some of the book and um, just heard you talk and, and read some of your stuff, it's like, that's the, that's the gift is they're doing the work. They're thinking about what is my goal, not your, not Matt's goal or, Hey, I've had this experience. You just do what I like. I like that. We said, Hey, I ran a marathon. It was really great. You should do that. But maybe for yeah. them, that's not what they need. Right. Um, but they're doing the work. So then they're actually owning it and the, and their growth comes from them kind of putting in the work to kind of go, Oh, I am, I am good at this or I'm not good at this or what are my goals? Where am I headed? You know? And it's not Matt telling you, this is what you need to do because I think that's, that's not good coaching that, that kind of, uh, hinders growth. Um, because there's a lot of like, I mean, I can apply it to the writing world and publishing world and creativity. It's like, everyone's a guru and everyone just, just do X, Y, Z. And, but they're not considering context because context the, the, is key. <laughs> it, it's absolutely key, Ryan. And, um, I would encourage people to substitute could for should, and it's less about what you should do. And it's more thinking about right now, what you could, what could you do that would be really meaningful to you that would express yourself in the way you want to uh, be express yourself. And that was one of another reason why I wrote the book was with the explosion of coaching in the last seven to 10 years or so, I wanted to kind of put words out to it. Like what is a really good coach? And people often confuse, they almost see coach as a, a verb, like, hey, I'm going to coach my employees, or they think of that athletic coach, where they were told, okay, you know, back elbow up, back elbow down, you know, when if you're a hitter in the batter's box. And it, it's less prescriptive, and it's less directive, and it's more reflective, and it's more encouraging and an empowerment model. I mean, think about if somebody goes to a personal trainer, how much of the weight does the personal trainer lift? Who is the one who's setting the goals of what he or she would like to accomplish in the sessions with the personal trainer? So the premise is that you are the expert of your life. You are capable, you're whole, you're creative. The coach is the expert of the process, and there really is a science behind the coaching conversation. And it's through the power of the partnership that provides the kinetic energy, the move, that stagecoach, which is where the word came from, the stagecoach forward from the point of origination to the desired point of destination. The origination is determined by the client of where he or she is and then where he or she wants to go. You have your hands on the wheel. You have your feet on the pedals. You've plugged in the coordinates uh, into your GPS. The coach or friend, you know, who's other person focused, 
uh, it doesn't have to be a coach is in the, in the passenger seat, encouraging, supporting, being curious, asking questions, probing in a constructive way, you know, not, not challenging, uh, and not what we often experience is the manager, somebody giving advice or consultant, a mentor, a friend. And it's oftentimes it's, you know, people bring out that advice monster. I saw a Ted talk recently where it's, Hmm. you know, how to tame your advice monster. You know, doctors have been telling people for decades, you know, go home and do the following. How often does that happen? Almost never. So there's almost needs to be a bridge between, you know, my my brother-in-law is a cardiologist. He said, he tells people to go home. You just had a heart attack. You should go home and stop smoking. And the person doesn't stop smoking. You, you should do that all the time. But the, the way the coaching partnership works is really what are the values that you have? Let's let's look five years in advance. What are you doing at that time? Well, I'd like to be playing with my, my, my daughter just got married and she's pregnant. I'd like to be playing with my grandchildren. What would that be like? You know, tell do you get them visioning something about, okay, well, smoking gets in the way of playing with the, and maybe even being there uh, for the grandchildren, let alone playing with them. So it's, but it needs to, and then they determine the path forward of what it is that they may or may not want to do. So it's, it's very other person focused. And it's often something that people don't get very often in today's day and age where they're having somebody both listen and hear them. I was just reading uh, a little blurb about Kobe Bryant and he talked about, mm-hmm. you know, how did he, get to this championship level? How do you help his team along? And someone said, you know, is it technique? Is it, did you teach him how to shoot the basketball? Did you t- teach him how to, you know, dunk it? Did you, and he says, no, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with motivation. Mm-hmm. It's I'm trying to get their emotions. I'm trying to get them to want to be champions, to want to work out, to want to wake up at 5am to, you know, it's like getting under the, uh, underneath the thing. Not, it's not about, you know, can I shoot a three pointer? It's do I want to get up every day and work hard as if, you know, it all is writing on me. And, and he says, that's the difference. He's like, when players didn't get to that point, it's like, you don't have a whole lot to work with because they're, they're focused so much on technique. I just need to tweak this. I need to tweak that. Maybe I need to eat better. Maybe I need to, you know, and those have a place, but, um, but I just really thought that was interesting. And I think I've heard that from like Michael Jordan, some of these iconic, you know, championship yeah. players, it's about motivation. It's about getting underneath the thing, not, not the technique, not the, you know, do this or that. I, I think that's spot on. And I think about it in terms of inside out versus outside in, you know, kind of starting from within first um, versus sort of an outside in perspective. And, you know, they're talking about a manifestation, a, a three point, you know, shoot like proper form for a three pointer is sort of a, a result of a whole bunch of internal motivation to actually get that work done. So yes, mm-hmm. the, the focus is more inside out than outside in. Now, Matt, we, uh, we talked a little bit and we, we love to talk on this show too, about the process. Cause I think people find that interesting because everybody's different. And I, that's partly why I do this in the show is just to show people that not everybody writes books or creates things or makes things the same way. And, and they shouldn't, um, it's a little bit of your work, right? It's like, everybody's different. Everybody has different yeah. abilities, time, you know, talents, all that. Um, but you told me some interesting things about writing this book and kind of your process. So why don't you share a little bit about that, kind of how you put this book together and uh, kind of what yeah. your writing process practices, uh, how you went about it? Yeah, uh, no, that, uh, thank you for that. And it, yeah, we all are different and it's up to us to kind of like going back to the via, you know, and the strengths and I derive energy from being around other people and so it was a bit of a unique way of, of writing the book. I, I dare say even talking the book because talking the book out, because what I did was over the course of several months, I had this person that I highly respect and we had a very good relationship. And I asked him if he would ask me questions about the process and the approach and taking him through a session and all that. And I almost interviewing me because that's when I feel like I'm at my best if they're sort of pointed questions and about the process, as opposed to me sitting down in silence by myself for hours and hours and sort of writing this stuff out. So he interviewed me and we composed twice a week for two hours over the course of about three months or so. We had hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of tape, or I I guess it's digital tape these days. And what we did is we transcribed that. and, And so then it converted into a Microsoft Word document. And then we made it into a cogent, you know, sort of a story type of chapters. And this is what we're going to cover. This is the arc of what we're going to do. But it really started with the spoken word and really taking through very specific of here's what we do. And, and I took through very, very uh, explicit examples 
obviously anonymizing people's names and 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 where they where they work and stuff like that. And a lot of people commented on the book where they say, "Man, I, I really hear your voice in it." I'm like, "Well, good." Like that, that that was exactly what happened. So that was my process. And then, of course, when we did have the manuscript, it went through ten plus you know sort of edits, and I hired six people to read it and sort of get all the typos out. Though I I have found a couple. Um, but yeah, it really was recognizing how I work best and how I derive energy and what brings the best out in me. And it was interacting with a couple of people, then asking me questions and getting it down, um, recorded. Oh, I love that. Well, to give you a little, uh, hope and encouragement, uh, I, I was reading a best-selling book recently and on literally in the first paragraph, first page, there was a typo and I just could yeah. not believe it. <laughs> you know, it's like, I yeah. understand in the back, you know, or whatever. I was like, who, who's looking at this thing? Come on. Uh, no, it, it happens. We're all flawed. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, minor things of it's, the, they had to change the exhibits. And in my writing, I referenced the former exhibit that they moved and nobody caught it, including me. So that that's on me. Sure. But anyway, it's kind of small. No, no. And I, I, uh, just those that are listening, I I think there are so many approaches to writing a book. And I think we only think, you know, sitting down at the typewriter, sit typewriter dating me, sitting at the computer, uh, you know, writing just for, like you said, hours in silence, but, um, I'm actually seeing a big movement towards kind of audio, uh, transcription, like you said, if you're a good interview type person, you like to talk to people, you're doing coaching, you're doing counseling, like that's just natural. You're used to talking to people and that's going to come out. And I like just the, the idea that that's kind of how you wanted the, the tone of the book to be. I think that's important. It's like, if, if I'm going to write this book, I want it to sound like I'm having a cup of coffee with you talking through these things, working through these things, maybe like a coaching uh, client would be, and everyone has to make choices. Like you could probably could have written, you're, you're a very smart guy. You got, you know, Harvard degrees and, you know, and, and you, you're a learner and all that. And you could have probably made it academic. And that would probably have been a very different kind of tone, a different, maybe a different approach um, than kind of relational, personal, you know, and you want people to read it. I mean, that's the other thing is yeah. I think in our day and age, I think the more the conversational, uh, especially in nonfiction is really helpful um, to get people kind of engaged with your material, whatever it may be. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. I, I want to make it very attainable. And so it's not, I mean, I, I love a Walter Isaacson biography. They're unbelievable. There's almost nothing like it. I, I, I don't know how many people make it through all of it. I, I <laughs> so I want people I, I, my, again, I wanted to get this in, in as many hands as possible because, uh, I want people to feel better about their days and this whole 31% of people engage in their work that doesn't sit so well with me. So if I'm sort of fulfilling that, I want to make it, um, conversational, attainable, and it, it actually, you know, all of it is really this, it's footnoted and goes back to research and, the goal setting model that we use as part of a thesis that I wrote. Uh, so there's a lot of academic rigor in it, but it's, it's told in a very conversational way. So Matt, uh, when you think about writing this book and you're, you're sitting down, you've got the seat of an idea and it's really, I mean, it sounds like it's a little bit of your life work. I mean, it's, this is kind of what you're into. It's, it's, you hope it sounds like you be doing this for a long time. You want to help people. And obviously you're a very busy guy and you can't take every client because you're, you know, and you have a whole team and, and all that. So this is kind of a legacy book. I mean, it's, it's going to be evergreen. It's going to be something that you can hand people, you can give people that they don't have to interact with you directly. Um, when you're kind of putting the book together, how, how is the process of like, there's so many things I can talk about. There's so many areas I can go. How did you kind of work on narrowing it down to, something that's not 900 pages that nobody's going to read. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I recognize that at, at, at the outset. And I also recognize that there are, there was a, a real discussion to be had around career strategy, career transition, career optimization, and also performance on the job. So more career coaching versus, or else not versus, but and executive coaching. And I realized I could probably dedicate a whole book to each of those so my my real exercise and challenge that I set for myself is how can I reconcile both of those areas and also take into the holistic sort of you know health and wellness coaching at the same time and keep it under you know it's around 220 230 pages or so I really I I I told a story I I took people through the process that's it was it's almost like an engagement 
we sort of started and we go through the exercises and people have said, Hey man, if you print it again, can you make it like a workbook? Cause I, it's, it's uh, you know, the form factor is wonderful and it's wonderful to hold, but I found myself writing in it. And that's actually, I wanted people to work their way through it. And it's, it's literally sort of, you start here, you then go to here, you then go to here. So I just, I sort of set for myself, okay, what would that journey look like? And not all too much sort of extemporaneous information. Yes, I provide uh, 11 case studies in the book, um, just as examples of what people and organizations have done. But I don't want to go overboard on that. But I raised, I kind of almost look to take somebody through, if they were working with me one-on-one, what would that experience be like? And, you know, not a two-year engagement, but kind of like a, a month or two engagement. So make it much more manageable. And that was really how I, I streamlined the approach recognizing that I could go much, much deeper. That's good. Yeah. It's it. That's the challenge of writing anything. It's what do I keep? What do I get rid of? You know, we can't say everything maybe it's part two I need to write or, you know, save that for later. No, that's really good. I think focus is, is huge, especially with nonfiction is, you know, what's the main thesis, the yeah. main theme I want to get after rather, rather than just a general book about everything. It's, you know, Hey, this is like a, if I was to coach you, this is kind of what we would do. Um, no, that's really I, great. I, I, I love that. I think that's exactly right. I might just add that with almost everything of consequence and meaning that I do, I channel Stephen Covey and his particularly his second habit for highly effective people, which is begin with the end in mind. So exactly what you just said, if somebody after reading the book, what is it that I want them to do or have taken away? And that's how I worked backwards to solve for what am I going to include in the book? What am I? And I also, I felt like if somebody took away and I'm coming up with this number somewhat randomly, but with three things that are practical that they then adopt in what they're doing each day, that's successful to me. Um, oftentimes we read something, yes, we read something for fun, but I often, if it's more nonfiction, I, I read it and it's it's interesting and it causes me to think, but I'm not sure like what the practical, what I'm going to, so I'm not, I'm not sure I even take away one thing, you know, mm-hmm. from that. I wanted to somebody to begin with that end in mind of, Okay, they finished a book. What is it that they could take with them? That really helped inform what it is like each chapter contained. That's good. I, I think you're you're voicing just a realistic perspective on books. Like I think even those that write, they they think, well, this is going to change everybody, and you know, it's going to be the greatest thing that's ever happened. But if someone takes away three to five, you know, bullet points, right. that's a win. Like because again, we're we can only handle so much stuff. We can only implement so many things. I heard someone talk about you know paragraphs change lives. And, um, you know, three to five paragraphs in a book that you write down and you put into practice that could change a life. I mean, it could be one pair, it could be one quote that kind of moves you in a particular direction that, you know, and I have some of those that I've kept around for 20 years that, you know, I come back to, and it's just like that when at that time in my life, when I read that, heard that, that's all I needed the rest of the book. I don't even know what it said, but, but this, yeah. this thing has, has stuck with me or someone that said something to me or helped me or, you know, whatever it is. That's a really healthy perspective. I think, and especially probably with, imagine with your clients just trying to say what's realistic, what's, what's hopeful, what's, you know, yes. you know, two, three things they can take away. Yeah. And, and, and what's enduring. So mm-hmm. I, I frequently have this discussion with organizations that are conducting corporate offsites and oftentimes if you know they spend a lot of time and energy and they fly people around that's a two or three day or even if it's one day the the half-life of a corporate offsite is really short so like tuesday or wednesday of the following week everybody's sort of back and i always employ the way i do a conduct half um, offsites is i want something that people take away with them and similar in the book if i've been hearing that people are creating you know one of these game plans and if that's the takeaway from the book and the game plan houses one, two, three, or four meaningful and consequential goals that they're working on and towards, man, that is, you know, that like, forget about the 200 pages or the X number of hours they spent reading the book. This is going to be with them for a lot longer. So that was, that was one of the key. That's why people can download the materials, whether they read the book or not. That's good. Yeah. I wonder how many meetings we've all been to that, you know, nothing was accomplished after the meeting. It was just a meeting, you know, to have a meeting. You're like, Oh, that was great. Um, So tell me, this is always a learning opportunity, but tell me about a failure, whether that's writing the book directly or just life in general, a failure and what you learned from it. Hmm. Failure. So I, I tend not to think about things and this is not, well, you know, Matt like is not answering the question, but 
So, you know, immediately one that comes to mind, we started about at baseball and in college, I was, I earned the starting shortstop job uh, at Columbia University my sophomore year. And I proceeded to sabotage myself, play horribly and lose the starting shortstop position after 10 games of playing where we went down to Florida and played really uh, fantastic teams. And I, I played horribly and I learned and after the and I watched uh, so those 10 games, I watched the balance of the 35 games from the bench um, for the for that year. And that was a real squandered opportunity. And I didn't believe in myself. I didn't think that I was sort of worthy of being the starting starting shortstop or good enough to be the starting shortstop. And I let sort of fear and fear of failure overcome me. And after the season, actually, I had shoulder surgery and I was, I was in a really low place. But the, one of the reasons why I don't really think about it, even that, as a failure, because I let myself and my teammates down, it was the decision when I woke up in the hospital room after the surgery and said, okay, I, I lost my starting shortstop job. I'm not sure not I'll ever be able to lift my arm up, let alone throw again. And I said, that's not how I want to go out, so I'm going to give it everything I have. And for me, you know, that's like 50% of the story. And then the other half is that battling back earning, winning the starting shortstop job back again, us winning our league and me being, um, you know, all league um, and earning several other uh, national honors that my junior year and senior year. But I, it was the, the success to me was, was not the national accolades. It was more what I learned through that process. But I guess if you were to like, what's the, I was really disappointed. I lost a, basically a, a, a year of contributing to my contributing to the team helping my my teammates and any statistics that I was sort of accruing I didn't at all but it's 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 sort of part of a larger story and I learned a ton from failure um even a lot more had I just succeeded and played that year I'm not sure this same type of lessons uh would have been gleaned by me I also started talking to a therapist at that particular time to understand some of the reasons why I was getting in the way of allowing myself to perform and that was absolutely important and monumental for me. Um, but that was a huge, a huge disappointment, but complemented by sort of a, another part of that story. Uh, thanks for sharing that. I know that's, yeah, we're always it's big, part of a bigger story. It seems it always leads to something else, right? A, a, a self-discovery yeah. about who I am and yeah. how I function in the world. <laughs> and, and Ryan, it, it's sort of in, in the book, I talk about this. And when I got back on the field in my junior year, after surgery and, and working through re rehab and stuff, I, I had adopted approaches to sort of quiet the mind and sort of uh, quell some of the thoughts that I was having, you know, in terms of you can't do this. What if it's hit to you? Just be present. Look at the green grass and the brown dirt and look at the batter there and the pitcher there and um, look at this beautiful field. I started wearing a rubber band and just to every once in a while, I'd start sort of getting some of those ruminating thoughts. I would pull the rubber band back and just sort of snap it a little bit on my wrist. And that would break the cycle of those thoughts. And I, I kept, you know, I did that for a few days and then I would just have to look at, it. I didn't have to pull it back off my wrist. And every once in a while, people will see me wearing a rubber band every once in a while. Um, I saw somebody post on social media. I don't know the person. Uh, he's a baseball player. He's 17 years old. He posted a picture of him, you know, reading something in the book and wearing a rubber band around his wrist. Hmm. And that's one of the, again, those enduring things If people take one thing, two things, three things from the book that, that, that's sort of a job, like, you know, that's success. Um, so that's me turning a really kind of a dark time in my life, you know, into something that I can share with others. That's wonderful. I love it. So Matt, this has been fantastic. Uh, we have gone a lot of places, uh, together and, uh, I, I really hope people go find the book inflection points, how to work and live with purpose. Uh, you're helping a lot of people, coaching a lot of people. Um, what would be, you know, I, I know we all sit down and we have audacious goals and dreams, but you know, what would be just a, a couple of things you, you would hope would come out of this book? Uh, what would be, you know, someone picks it up, reads it, you know, what's one, two, three things that, that they'd say, you know what, I hope this really helps you in X, Y, Z. Um, have you, have you thought about yeah. that kind of long-term impact? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope, they won't, I hope people will fight against that. What I, I say in chapter one, which is a Henry David Thoreau quote, which uh, the mass of people lead lives of quiet desperation. I hope they don't resign themselves to something like that. That that's actually sort of like begins and ends 
with that, that if, if they want more, if they want to feel something different, if they want to feel more alive, that they don't just resign themselves to the current stasis or the, the way things are. Um, th- that's really, that's really my hope. And that, that's really probably, and when you boil it down, that's probably why I wrote the book. And some of it comes from within me because I, I felt those pangs and the, the gnawing sense of quiet desperation and for probably a little bit too long or longer than it, it should have. And I want to do what I could to write, write that ship, you know? And so if, if I can give just a little bit of motivation or even tools to find that ignition of a career, you know, um, or one's life, that's my long-term goal, Brian. Love it. So Matt, uh, you mentioned a bunch of tools and downloads, even if you don't get the yeah. book, uh, free resources, where would be the best place? I know I have a uh, via character.org. Uh, is there a yeah. particular website to go get those? <clears throat> yeah. So, um, the inflection points book.com, the inflection points book.com. You could, you could order the book and you can download, uh, the materials there. Uh, for free, you don't have to order the book in order to download the materials. Perfect. So, yeah, you just name, address, email, and or not even address, name, email, and just fill it out, and you can Great. download everything. That we, excuse me, everything that we spoke about today. Great. Well, um, you can hear in Matt's voice. It's for him. It's not about selling a million books, which he would love for his family and his college uh, tuition, but um, for his kids. Uh, but it's about helping people. It's about hey, I want you to get into this material. I want you to think about these things, reflect about these things. So thank you for being gracious in that. And Matt, what are you, I know you uh, you wrote this book. I, if you're listening to this in you know, the summer of 2022, the book's been out a little while. Um, any, any projects coming down the pipe? Uh, anything you're working on next? And then where can people find you? Yeah, so my, my focus now is really getting the book in the, in the hands or the Kindles or you know, e-readers uh, or ears with as many people as possible and not eyes on, on another book just, just yet. People have asked me about that. No, I want to get it in this. So I want to evangelize some of the tenets in the book because I think they're universal. And that's really where my focus is. I'm also, I also continue to build out my coaching team. We have a carefully curated certified group of, of coaches. And so demand continues to increase. And I, so a lot of spent a lot of my time on sort of building the, the team of coaches that we have. And people can find me. I'm available on, on LinkedIn. Please connect with me, uh, Matt Spielman. And at, at our website, uh, Inflection, it's inflectionpointpartnersllc.com, inflectionpointpartnersllc.com. It goes through what we do and also information about the book, who we are, our, our coaches who are on our roster, um, amazing group of people, a lot of whom I trained from, trained with, uh, and now they they use the game plan system out out there with with clients. It's it's fantastic. So that's really I want to get the message out of the book and continue to build my roster of, of coaches. That's really where my attention lies. Well, Matt, thank you so much for the work you're doing. Uh, thank you for this time, sharing your wisdom, your experiences, uh, even doing a little coaching for us. Uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing these resources and you helped a lot of people today. So thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing uh, a little more of who you are and a little bit about your book. I really appreciate that, Ryan. It was a lot of fun talking to you and I thank you for the opportunity. My pleasure. Well, there you have it, my friends, Matt Spielman. Go check out all of Matt's work. Uh, Go check out his book, Inflection Points, How to Work and Thrive, excuse me, Work and Live with Purpose. And uh, I'll put all his information in the show notes as well. Uh, There's some free resources there that he'd like to share with you, which would be really helpful for you. So go see Matt. Go see what he's doing. Go check out uh, the website. Go check out their coaching. Go Maybe that that fits you. Um, And I think there's something very valuable just to have someone, when you think about creativity, when you think about what you're building, what you're making, how to get better at what you're doing is, is who are the mentors, who are the coaches, who are the people that we can go to to kind of help guide us and lead us and maybe show us things that we don't see in ourselves. And, and in many ways, this is kind of what we're trying to do with this this show and this podcast. Not that I'm a coach or I'm your coach, but by bringing these folks on, by helping you engage in a, in a bigger conversation, by learning from their experiences, grabbing some tips and tricks, that it could be something that you can put into your creator toolbox. 
And so I know that's what Matt's trying to do. And, and I know that's what we're trying to do is trying to help you push you along to help you see who you are, to see how you're wired, to see how you're bent and where you fit, how you can thrive and how you can create and share your message with the world. Um, and so Thanks for stopping by the show. And, and as always, if, if you have the time, it really does help us and bless us a lot. If you can leave a rating, a review, wherever you listen to this podcast, um, I know on iTunes, it, it, it matters a lot. And I know a lot of you listen on iTunes, but if you can leave, leave an honest rating or review, uh, wherever you get your podcast, it really helps us get the show out to the world and keep doing what we're doing. Uh, go check out the free resources on the website, ryanjpelton.com. Um, hey, consider the prolific creator plus. Uh, if you want to add free experience, you want some other bonus content that we'll have coming out soon, um, where I kind of deep dive in some things that I don't share publicly, uh, feel free to do that. So as always, thank you so much for coming by the show today. Thank you for making the show what it is. Thank you for this growing community of creators and entrepreneurs and artists and leaders in different spheres of the world. Uh, and if you have anyone that you'd like me to talk to, please uh, point in my direction. Uh, I love just hearing uh, interesting learning about interesting people, hearing about their work and, uh, yeah, being able to share that with you. So, uh, hit me up on email, uh, or social and I'll, uh, see what I can do. I can stalk them. I can track them down. So anyway, without further ado, before you go, I do have one important thing to say to you. Go make some great art with your life. Not that's real.